much sometimes because of the fact that I notice a shift. I'm like, oh my God, something is wrong. And reality, no, it's just been, it's just a shift in energy. It's just a shift in behavior. You know, I think the biggest thing is just being honest with where I'm at, recognizing that I don't have it all figured out and that's okay. You know, taking time for myself when I need to. It also, this is something that we had discussed prior, but having a support system, you know, at least being able to call someone and tell them like, I had a shit day today. Can I please vent? Having those open arms and being like, absolutely, please go. Hi, friends. It's Kayla Moran, and welcome back to the Let's Get Canted podcast. How is everybody doing today? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, happy Thursday, or whatever time you're listening. But if you're listening on Thursday morning, I am currently in my most difficult final, my second to last final ever. And as of tomorrow, I will be done with law school and I graduate next Saturday, which is absolutely insane. And I know I keep saying that, but just like truly, I have been reflecting the last couple of weeks on how far I've come. And yesterday, right before my wills and trusts final, one of my clinic professors came up to me. and was like, I don't want to interrupt you too much. I know you're studying, but I just had to tell you since I saw you, I was just talking about you to someone telling them how proud I am of you because I'll be honest I was really worried about you last year when you told us what your career goals were what you wanted to do with your degree and what you wanted to do in your life your career I was really worried because it's something new it doesn't really exist yet and I was just concerned that for you like I want you to succeed I want the best for you and I was a little worried but I was telling them how proud I am of you and it just goes to show how perseverance pays off and like you're going to do amazing and I'm so proud of you. And then he was like, well, I'll let you get back to setting, but I just wanted to tell you that since I saw you. And I was like, you're going to make me cry. This makes me so happy to see that other people, lawyers, professors, deans, faculty, my classmates really do see the work that I've put in, especially in the last year and a half and have seen how far I've come. And it truly does mean the absolute world to me. I've been really struggling the last couple of days with imposter moments and just not feeling good enough and looking at my friends and looking at other people building their dream lives, building their careers. And like, I'm not, it's not like the timeline thing. Like I know my time is coming. I know I need to just graduate and that like come fall, I will be able to do all the things I want to do. It's not so much like I want it now, but it's just like, I see that potential for myself and I'm like, I just, I want to be doing that stuff already. Like, it just feels very inconsequential going through the motions of studying for exams and taking exams, even though I know that's super important. It's just like, I'm just ready for the next step. And I just need to remind myself to be patient and just a few more months and I will be there and I will be amongst them and I will be doing all the things that I want to be doing that I've said I'm going to be doing. I just know I need to be a little bit more patient. But yeah, so that's what's been going on this week. I am so close to being done. It truly hasn't hit me yet. Like, I was saying this the other day to someone. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to cry at graduation. Like, am I going to be happy? Am I going to be sad? Is it bittersweet? Like, what are these emotions that I'm going to be feeling? And, like, everyone feels differently. You know, we all have our own journeys to get here. And that's something I really would love to talk about with my classmates in the future. Have them on and share their journeys and their experiences. And then people from other schools. Because... Even though we are going through it together, 
in the same time and place. Like everybody's experience is so unique to them and what their goals are. And I think that's the beauty of just any program in general or any career path in general, school or not, vocational, whatever. But yeah, so and then I wanted to touch on really fast last week's episode. Something that I talked about in my DMs with Scout Sobel, who was last week's guest, is that she's a proud college dropout. And I just want to emphasize that, you know, I'm about to have two degrees. Not everyone goes to college. Not everyone gets a master's or a doctoral degree or whatever. It is totally okay if going to college is not your path. Look at Scout and the empire she has built. Being a college dropout, especially, and someone who struggled with mental health but chose entrepreneurship as her own unique path, everybody has a path. Everybody's story, journey is unique to them. And like, don't worry about the timeline. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Do what matters to you, what it makes you passionate, what makes you tick, what makes you happy. When you are passionate, you're willing to put in all the work and all the effort and and go through the struggles and the pain and you will succeed so much more because you are passionate about it and the people around you see that and want the best for you and are going to support you in that if you are truly passionate and doing what you love. And I just, I wanted that to be the major takeaway from last week's episode and we were talking about it in the DMs yesterday. So I really wanted to share that with you guys here. But before I jump into this week's episode and introducing the guest, I want to talk a quick suck and sweet of the week. So suck of the week is kind of my anxiety has been really, really bad. And I don't know if it's finals and just finals and particularly my evidence final, which is the one I'll be taking as you guys are listening, if you're listening Thursday morning. And if it's that final or just graduation in general and the bar exam and like the fact that, again, I want so badly to be doing the things that I want to be doing and building the life and the career for myself. And again, it's not a timeline thing. It's just like, I know that's what I'm passionate about and I know that's where I want to be, but knowing I have to be patient, but like there's so many things that have to happen before I can get there. And I think that anxiety coupled with finals and like actual bar exam itself is just, I wasn't sleeping. I haven't been eating well. I've been, my skin is breaking out. My acne my stress levels my cortisol levels I've just haven't been doing great so I think that would be my biggest suck of the week that and that it's just finals week in general and no one likes finals but I mean it's a necessary evil and it's my last finals week ever um and my suite of the week is just being grateful for the opportunity to even have come to law school and be where I'm at today and all of the growth and the lessons that I've learned and being able to close this chapter and this book, you know, and move forward into the next chapter of my life and the next the next story because there's so much more to come and I just truly would not be who I am today if I didn't have the opportunity to go to law school and for the last three years of my life in general and just how far I've come overall. But of course, law school is a big part of that and I joke that I don't think I would do it again if I where to go back, but I'm very grateful that I did it for all the opportunities that it has given me both personally and professionally. And yeah, I'm really excited for the next chapter. And I just, I was doing meditations, Melissa Wood Health meditations before my last two exams, Monday and Tuesday, and truly have changed my, they're so transformative. I highly, highly recommend her app 
and following her if you don't already. It's $9.99 a month, but it is so worth it. And truly, even five or 10 minutes of meditation or movement, especially her style of movement, is so transformative and changes my life. And it takes little to no effort at all. It's just getting, getting up and turning it on, honestly. Or you can even do the meditations in bed, but I did them in the couch in the lounge at school before exams and people were watching me but I was like you know what I need this for myself and I'm so grateful that I did and truly the impact that they made it it carried into my exam so I will be doing that um before my evidence final and before my law of distilled spirits final which although that one I'm not super worried about the irony is that that one will be at 8 30 in the morning on a Friday um about alcohol and alcohol distribution laws but you know law school is it's a fun time. Um, but yeah, truly, I would not be where I am today had I not had the opportunity to come to law school at the time that I did, where I did, when I did, all of the above. So that is my sweet of the week, that this journey has officially come to an end as of tomorrow. Well, as of next Saturday when I graduate and I walk across that stage and get hooded. And I'll talk all about that in next week's episode. But truly, I, I'm so, so grateful for this the last few years and I'm really excited to see what happens next and with that I want to introduce to you this week's guest the second part in my mental health awareness month series because May is mental health awareness month I'm having Fiorella Bianchi on she is a social worker she is a fellow Miami blogger and she's all about wellness and mental health and every morning she does morning mantras and she shares really great resources and advice and tips on wellness And we talk all about social work and why she chose social work and the career path that she has had with it and what you can do with the social work degree because I think it is a very misunderstood degree and it's not really, people don't talk about it. It's not something you hear about a lot, especially, you know, you hear law law school, med school, um, business school, but there's so many other programs and I want to have all of the other programs on as well to give you guys all of the advice and tips and tools that I can. And I love having these conversations and learning about their experiences. So I'm really excited to have her on. But we also just talk about her journey with mental health and how it has led her to where she is today and how she uses it in her life, the tips and tricks she uses, her her practice rituals that help her move through her day and be a better person, a better social worker, a better partner, a better friend. And I think it's a really great episode i will note that the audio does get a little bit wonky at some points in this episode we had some technical difficulties when recording but i hope you guys enjoy the episode and i'm really excited for this one and yeah i will do a recap on finals and law school again next week and talk to you guys how i'm feeling about graduation because it's next weekend but for now meet fiorella hi fiorella how are you hi how are you kayla I'm doing good. I am so excited to have you on. I've had a dating coach on and I've had a behavioral body wellness coach, but I've never had a mental health counselor on. So I'm really excited to chat with you and really explore a lot more about mental health, something I'm very passionate about. And I talk a lot on this podcast and I know that's something you're very passionate about. So can you introduce yourself and Talk a little bit about why you got into mental health. For sure. So my name is Fiorella. I'm born in New York, but raised in Miami. Um, I was actually a theater kid before I even started mental health. 
so that was kind of like a left field turn that I took at some point in my life, more specifically when I was um, in college. And the reason why I bring that up is because it's honestly the reason why I started mental health. Um, to be quite honest. So my title is actually, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I mentioned that because I feel like a lot of us don't get enough rep out there as therapists because of the fact that we are social workers. But in reality, um, us social workers, we do a lot of therapy and we are very much involved in the more clinical aspect of mental health. Really, I guess what started me was just, I went to New World. Um, I know you had Sasha Medici on this and she was a New World student herself. And so I was a musical theater kid and I thought musical theater was my life. I thought that theater was my everything that I wanted to do. And it turned out that it wasn't. And as I was trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do, I recognized that within theater, it saved me. So I'm, I am also diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I've been struggling with anxiety since I was 15 years old. I've tried medication. I've tried mindfulness. I've tried bunch of other things. And I kind of use everything I've learned to help me, but really what helped me was the arts theater itself and the whole going into character and learning about the character's dynamic and learning about the character's relationship and how it portrayed the person that I was supposed to eventually become. So I guess while finding my path, my sister-in-law, she's a doctor and she said, well, you're really good at listening to people really care about what people have to say. I um, signed up for Barry and I got accepted and I got my master's in social work. And during my time there, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about behavior. I learned a lot about pain. I learned a lot about struggle. I learned a lot about resilience and people who overcome the things that they've been trying to overcome for years. And it was, it was exactly what I wanted to be. And when I got to the point where I was kind of open and accepting of what I was struggling with, I learned more about myself and more about helping others. And I think that's really where my passion comes from. Right now, I currently work as a school counselor during the day. I work with middle school kids. (laughs) They are special. Yeah, that's like honestly one of the roughest times to work with students, I think. It really is. And I think it's that whole coming of age thing, the trying to figure yourself out. You are a kid where the world revolves around you and you are suddenly emerging into the world as, you know, a teenager. And then you're becoming an adult eventually. And you realize that life is not what you thought life was. And that in itself, I don't think people recognize it enough, but that in itself can be traumatizing because you're just like, this was my life. And now I'm expected to not do this anymore. And I think that middle school age, ages between like 10 to 14 is such a sweet spot. And it's those kids are so moldable. And if you just teach them kindness, you teach them how to cope. It's like little bodies with adult emotions. (laughs) Honestly, my cousin's 14. And I asked her today how school was going or how she's doing. And she's like, friends are good. School's just really stressful right now, like extra stressed with school. And I'm just like, she's a freshman. And it's just, she had, she's having a rough go of things right now, not just with school, but family life, but like mainly at school, like her middle school years, you know, friendships change and girls are developing and boys are mean and like girls are mean. And it's just, she is a bigger girl and 
you know, she loves food and we really worked with her on, you know, healthy eating habits and moving your body. And, you know, she rocks her size and she's, you know, very like, she loves her body, but it's taken a lot of work to get there. And sometimes we have to remind her of those things, which is normal. And just because of that, like growing up middle school, like the way people treat you and just, we all in my family have very strong personalities and I struggled with it. My, her older sister struggled with it. Like our parents struggled with it, you know? I mean, in general though, kids are also really mean and like, yeah, they they are. They really like to point out things that like you don't need to talk about, but it's almost like that filter is non-existent for some reason. No. The other thing too, is we have very strong personalities and other girls don't like that. And she struggled with that as well. And it's something that I, to this day, still struggle with now at 24, I'm 10 years older than her and I'm still struggling with it every day. And, you know, that's a whole nother topic, but I I think it's cool that you started out in the arts and that really shaped who you are today. I'm also an art kid. I was a dancer my whole life. I got into new, I got into new world. I remember I heard that in the other episode. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I got in, I chose to go to Coral Reef because I wanted to have the academic focus. And they have well. such a great program too. Yeah, they they really have a great program. And I don't know, I'm glad I chose, I made that choice. But, you know, the theater, arts, dance, they teach you so much about life through the arts and about yourself too, and about people. And I love how you said, like, you you have to become this role and like, you're, you're learning all of these different parts of different people help you shape who you want to be and- I think that's so true. And and besides that, it's also just like how healing the environment can be. Because I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but the art kids are usually categorized as like the weirdos, right? But it's made me so comfortable within my own skin. Like I am a proud weirdo. And I do not mind it. And if anything, I feel like it really has enhanced my ability to just be myself while I am providing therapy. It gives me that platform to just kind of allow myself to be me. And in like concordance with that, it allows my client or my student to be themselves because they see who I am because of how comfortable I've grown to be in my own skin. They're like, oh, okay, she she's kind of cool. I, I guess I could, I guess I could be me too. Like, yeah. And it's really, it's really helped molded, I guess the way I think too, just it's exposed me to so many beautiful I think it people. is that exposure. That's a great word for it. It exposes us to so much at such a young age and different ways of life and walks of life and music and history and all these other things. And it just shapes our worldview so much better than the average person. And I am a firm believer, you know, one day I hope to be able to donate to the arts because they are so, so, so important. Um, and I love that too, that, you know, they, they see you being your true self and they're like, okay, like I can do that too. And it's very inspiring. And that's why the arts are so beautiful. And you mentioned, you know, that social workers don't get the credit they deserve. So can you talk about the distinction? Like what is a social worker and how social workers also are therapists and why that distinction isn't really there? Right. So I guess the reason why I feel like social workers don't get enough credit is because they associate us a lot with DCF, which is um, Departments of Children and Family. Um, Basically, we're known as the people who take away the kids. (laughs) I guess in like 
the good roundabout way. And, you know, they see us as case managers and more like social welfare, like helping people receive that kind of assistance in, in that kind of way. But in reality, social workers not only help in case management, and they do help in DCF, we work in clinics, there we go, addiction clinics. Um, we work in um, substance use clinics, we use domestic violence, we work around mental health in general. We, we have a lot of different aspects to our title. We also work in policy, um, especially up in um, Tallahassee or in Washington, D.C. There's a huge handful of social workers that go out there and they talk about the needs of the people, of where we need to kind of fill more space, um, especially when it comes to mental health, especially when it comes to social welfare. I feel like as social workers, we are so rounded and I don't, I don't feel like they receive enough credit because of that connotation that we are just attached to one side. And I would like to also point out that when it comes to departments of children and family, social workers aren't there to just remove you know, we take everything into consideration. I want to speak on behalf of them because I feel like they have sometimes a negative connotation attached to their name. We actually try, like, I know that I, I spoke to um, an old peer of mine that she actually currently works at um, the Department of Children and Family. And we were having that conversation in regards to like, what happens in, in a neglect case? Because a lot of the times people don't report these things because of the fact that they don't want the child to leave or the child themselves aren't ready to go. And although yes, neglect is terrible, abuse is horrible, sometimes removing them from the situation and putting them in foster homes isn't always the answer. Yeah, sometimes 100%. It, it goes beyond that. Yeah, I took family law last semester, actually. So I got to see some of that in the cases we read. And just, you know, and you see it in movies sometimes or TV shows, foster care sometimes can be so much worse they're neglected and or abandoned in different ways and you know emotionally even if it's you know you remove them from a physical abusive home but now they're being neglected by their foster parents because the foster parents all they're doing is collecting the check that they get from the state a month right and those are, and obviously those are case by case yeah but there are situations like that you're also removing like a bond you know it, the trauma itself there is a, a thing called trauma bond and yes, it is unhealthy. Absolutely. However, there are ways that, you know, the child has to process and develop. And sometimes when we remove these kids from these situation and place them in foster care, they don't receive the adequate care. You know, they don't go to the therapist. They don't go through these processings. So there's so much involved with DCF. And it's always such a touchy subject because you want what's best for the child, but you also don't want to hurt the child. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. But I, I do want to, I did want to say that on in behalf of them, that they are doing really difficult work. And I feel like sometimes they don't get all the rap for it. And I know that there are a lot of cases out there, you know, where there are so many cases that slip under the cracks, where there are children that are being abused, that they do need to be removed and they are not. And then it goes far beyond what it needs to. But anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> no, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, very true and very important to to note that um and yeah in family law i got to see a lot of those cases and we actually also in law in the law school we have they've done a really good job of bringing in a mental health counselor and people in the mental health field to help counsel us as students while we are going through this curriculum and oh that's wonderful so we set up 
really good habits early on because the legal profession is notorious for being the highest rate of substance abuse and suicide of the professional degrees because of the stress and you start taking substances to help you manage and perform and mental health just the legal profession does has a really bad reputation for that and so the school has really tried from since I've been there to counteract that early on by giving us the resources and there's a mental health person like a part of the college of law they work there to that's wonderful and I, I think that's so us. important too because I feel like sometimes when it comes to um when it comes to law and politics you know we don't take into consideration the mental health aspect and I feel like that has more to do with not fully understanding mental health I feel like sometimes um the minute you talk about mental health it's kind of like oh gosh like oh yeah mental health especially in this profession because it's like oh you're not tough enough you can't handle it um so I and I'm really grateful that the school has really taken that upon themselves and in the clinic because um I did clinic my last year um where I get to be a student attorney as part of our clinic curriculum specifically the clinic hired two social work students one undergrad one master's in social work student to be our counselors and teach us skills to help us in our practice as student attorneys. And I thought, so I wanted to continue that plug. Yeah. See, it was really cool out here. (laughs) It was really cool. And I, I remember thinking like social workers as like therapists, like, I mean, I know you guys provide therapy as part of your job, but again, that we, that connotation that society has. So it was interesting to me, but it's funny that you you brought that up you brought up that distinction and I wanted well to- yeah I actually in my um so at the school I work at I, I'm really lucky because all my coworkers they're all li- licensed mental health clinicians so they work obviously in that field and they know a lot about the same things that I know about I guess it's just interesting that I can do the same thing they do you know <laughs> we do the same stuff the only difference is also like as a social worker, I have the liberty to do policy. I have the liberty to do case management. I have the liberty to do behavior analysis if I if I focus on that. Um, I ha- I can specialize in different aspects like licensed mental health clinicians, but we can reach outsource in different ways. I really like that you said that. And I was going to ask you, like, what are some career avenues each one can take? So you did that for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, and I, I love it. And then um, eventually I, I, I feel kind of sad because I don't want to leave my field. And I'm always so glorious about the social workers, but I do eventually want to get more into clinical psychology. Um, so eventually I'd like to go back to school and get my PsyD, which is the clinical um, doctorates rather than the research doctorates. PhD is more research-based while PsyD is more clinical. I was going to ask, I was like, do you need to go back to school for that? What would that look like? So talking about school, What's the process for becoming a social worker who does what you do and works in the more clinical side of social work and then the process to become a clinical psychologist later? What's the the schooling aspect of it? So you want to go to a university that's accredited. That's the first thing. They want to be accredited in social work. Um, So I got to go to Barry um, University, very proud. Um, And they have a a fantastic um, clinical uh, social work program. And so they teach you, you know, I, I have human development, I have um, psychoeducation, I have, I, I learn all the things, like therapies, all that stuff. 
Um, you do, you have to do at least, it depends on your path, you know, how long it's going to take some kids, um, some students do like a rapid path, uh, rapid path that they start from their bachelor's and they go straight into their master's. So that's, I think about like five and a half years. Um, I did the regular master's path, which was two years of um, schooling. And then in addition to your bachelor's, right? So it's four and then two. My four years of my bachelor's and then um, my two years of my master's. And that includes a thousand hours of clinical. And then um, in order to get licensed, so you have to graduate with that, right? You you get your MSW and then you have to do um, a thousand hours of clinical apart from the thousand hours you already did. So I worked, um, I did one semester at a, um, it was children of inmates. So I was really interested in actually working with, um, in, in the criminal justice field. Um, and this is kind of where my diversion in my fields started happening. So I picked this uh, place called Children of Inmates, which is a wonderful program um, where it reunites uh, parents with their children after they've been released from prison. So um, you, it's like a lot of outreach. So you go, you provide therapy to the families, and then we also provide group therapy to the inmates inside, the ones that are getting ready to be released. Um, so I had the opportunity to do both. I got to, I volunteered to do the inmate part because I really wanted to know what it was like. Um, I had never spoken with an inmate before. Um, there was always like, you know, you watch TV and you're like, oh my God, they're so scary. Um, but they're just people who yeah. made choices and whether they're good or bad choices, I'm not there to judge. I just know that they want to come out and that they're a part of this program and they want to meet their children. And some of them had never even seen their kids. You know, They've been in there for so long, they've never met their child. So it's preparing them what it takes to be a good father, what it takes to be a good mother. What is it? What are their needs that they require? How do you empathize? How do you meet them where they're at? How do you not allow your own generational trauma to affect your relationship with your own child? You know, that's the conversations we were having in the prison at home with the kids is dealing with, well, why did mom not come home? Why don't I know my dad? How do I accept this stranger as my parent? And it's kind of normalizing that what they're feeling is normal. And it's okay to not feel like you can relate to somebody that you're supposed to by society relate to. Um, my dad once told me everyone has a father, not everyone has a dad. Yeah. So it's kind of like teaching them that it's okay for you to not feel comfortable. And if you don't ever get that same relationship that maybe you desire, it's understandable. If this is something you want to work on, then you can definitely work on it. And should you work on it? Or, you know, it, it was a very, um, when they do reunite, you get to be there for it. And it's actually very tricky. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I like have chills as you're saying that. That's so cool. And being a part of something like that, where you do get to rehabilitate the family and bring them together. And that is absolutely incredible. I think that's so cool. I didn't know that that was a program. And I yeah, hope, it's a you know, someone program. listening maybe <laughs> goes into that. Yeah. Cause I think we need more people like that. The way it works is basically if you have a family member that is a parent that um, they're ready to get out, they can actually register. Um, I guess depending on the on the jail system, they can register for the program and it's a couple months and then they get prepared and 
then they reunite. But following that, I guess I, I was really invested, really invested in trying to work with um with prisoners and inmates. I actually did another clinical round at um, South Florida, South Florida Valuation Center. And it's um, a mental hospital down in Florida City for people who have committed crimes and they're waiting trial and they're um, pleading guilt, not guilty by reasons of this. We are in that place. It, it's kind of like getting them to, when they understand, they need to understand what it is that they yeah, did so in order to attend trial. Yeah. So not to get to legal term here, but to explain that. So you can plead not guilty by reason of insanity. And if you are not mentally capable, you cannot stand trial. And the court can do mental health evaluations to make sure you are you in order to stand for trial, you have to be mentally competent. competent. Yeah, you have to be competent. So if you are not competent, or you plead guilty by insanity, then I guess you go to this place. And I never knew that that I actually very curious. I never knew what happened once they pled guilty by insanity. I know they don't sit for trial, but never knew what else happened. So good to know. So essentially it's like limbo. Yeah, you're in limbo. You can't stand for trial, but you are not. They're not serving anything. They're just kind of there trying to get competent. The psychologists come in, you know, they they try to, they ask them the same questions. You understand what you did. Um, They say no. You know, then they, we evaluate them. And then as uh, clinical social workers, you come in and you actually provide therapy for them. So I provided therapy for a lot of people, a lot of people who were not um, mentally stable. And I learned a lot. There. I can imagine. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite eye-opening. I don't regret it. I learned, I, although I learned a lot, I did see a lot. Um, it tested my abilities and it tested my strengths and tested my boundaries really about how far I can go or what is going to make me twitch. I remember having a conversation with a borderline personality and they were also diagnosed schizophrenia. They were a bus driver for a daycare and they would take the kids to this, I think it was, and they would go to the bathroom and you want to go into detail as to what happens but I remember sitting there and having a conversation with this person and they would talk about what they did as though it was Sunday brunch there was no remorse and they would go into detail to see if it would make me feel uncomfortable wow. and they got a kick out of it they enjoyed it and I remember the first time walking out of there and speaking to my uh, supervisor and being like what the fuck was that <laughs> like, I literally don't know what I would do like, I was like and I have no training for this and you do but like still like I was just what? like oh my god and she's like did you react I was like I mean I don't know I I, I just stared I yeah. didn't know what I mean, to say is, that, is there something you can do like I mean first of all before we go back to this story like just the fact that you know, you learn so much about people, about the world, about yourself being in these situations. And it also makes you a better counselor, better social worker, better person having gone through these experiences. So, wow. I'm just baffled (laughs) by this story. I mean, dude, I'm telling you, it was, it was, it's hard. I would remember coming home and, and Brian, my partner, he, he'd be like, so what happened today? And I would tell him, 
he'd be like, my God, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. But I guess I was just ironically. So after I, I did that, I worked actually like in the field. Like I graduated, I was starting to get my hours. I was starting to work as an actual like therapist um, at this at this outreach program. And I felt safer in that hospital than I did providing therapy. It was very interesting. So ending my experience at this very interesting hospital where I learned a lot and I do wish everyone who is there right now hopefully members that I worked with have moved on and they're placed where they need to be placed and they're healing the way they need to go you know a lot of them made some very cruel decisions and choices in their life um still human yeah have to give that's them that. the beauty of the the justice system and there's many things wrong with it we that's another podcast but mm-hmm. That's the beauty of that you, if you are not mentally okay, if you are not competent, you will not stand trial. And that I'm grateful to know that there are people like you that, that try to help them so that they do understand because a lot of times they don't, they cannot comprehend what they did was wrong. And that is, and, a reason, and that's a ground for insanity. And, yeah. and there's a lot of them that even like, like, for example, somebody who is antisocial personality disorder will never see what they did as wrong. They will never truly fully understand the capacity or extent of their crime. They'll just see yeah. it for yeah. what it was and be like, well, it happened. So yeah. And those people, they, they stay in that weird limbo and they will, but the people who do learn to see where they went wrong then can be re- rehabilitated or attempt to. And so that's a, you know, there are these people who, are in that situation if they don't want to stay there they don't have to and I think that's really cool so yeah so you you graduated you were now working as a clinician as a therapist and that was that was when I really experienced what psychological burnout felt like so I don't know what happened but I started working in um I won't say their name but I started working for this outreach program and um basically what happens is that when a person gets Baker acted they are required to um see a therapist after. can you explain what Baker act is for people who don't know because I think the term is a Florida term but I'm sure other states have a similar name for it but it's a law Yes, it's a law that basically requires that if you are a danger to yourself or others, um, you can contact the appropriate authorities and they will come and they will hospitalize you for at least 72 hours. Um, you will be evaluated. You know, if you need to go on medication, they'll give you medication. And, and it's voluntary and involuntary. So you can choose to yes. be acted, or your family can make that choice for you. Yeah, um, it really depends on the situation. Yeah. But just wanted to clarify that for people who don't know what it is. And I appreciate that you did that because it's good for people to know that it is voluntary. I feel like a lot of people feel like it's a punishment. I don't blame them. Don't get Um, me wrong. I, I once, I remember vividly when I first found out that I had depression and anxiety. I remember, I don't know if you watched this, the Demi Lovato documentary, one of the first ones that they did. I remember watching that and I was like, I I don't have bipolar disorder. I know that now, but I, I thought I could have. And I went to my parents and I was like, I think I need to be Baker acted. And they were like, what the hell is that? Like, they were so confused. Child of immigrants, Hispanic parents, mental health is just not being a part of the conversation in our community right. as a whole. 
they they don't know these things and I do research because I'm like something is wrong with me I don't know what it is and I was like I need to be Baker Oxford and I never was thankfully um some people they do need it and it's very helpful and grateful that they are yeah Um, yeah I mean it's a very I feel like I feel like Baker Act is such like being hospitalized is so finicky um it could be institutionalized I think there's a difference too between hospitalization and institutionalization well, institutional institutionalization is when they send you to a hospital. It's a word. <laughs> I was like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's a it's a, a, a tongue twister. But it it inst- when you are institutionalized, you are sent to a mental hospital, and you are going to stay there until your treatment is over, essentially. And you and depending on the level of where you're at mentally, someone can write you up and put you in there. Um, or you can sign yourself up. You can voluntarily do it or involuntarily. Hospitalization is only 72 hours. You may stay longer if you may require it, but it's, you're not, you, you don't live at the hospital. Like, you know, this can, um, hospitalization can happen at any local hospital. Institutionalized, you are at a location that is specialized in that. Yeah. Actually, normally what happens is if, when you come from a place like South Florida Evaluation, um, and you are, they, they deem you not guilty by reasons of insanity, but you are unable to care or live on your own. They usually deem you insane. Yeah. Um, so that's usually what happens. Yeah. But after that whole process, um, you are normally, you are released um, and make this appointment with any outreach program. And um, you start seeing a therapist for a while until, you know, the therapist deems, okay, you're good, or maybe you're not, maybe you need to see private, whatever the case may be. So I did that. And for some reason, my supervisor decided to give me a bunch of kids. And I started working with children, which was not at all what I wanted to do. But as I started doing it, and I started learning more about that development, using development and mental health and all that stuff, I fell in love with working with kids. I thought it was actually really interesting. I found them to be funny. And I found them to, I found like joy in helping. And it's what you said earlier too, like that children are so moldable and getting them at that delicate age. I think that's also why maybe you fell in love with it too, is because you really get to see the impact you are making on people's lives, children's lives, their families' lives, the people and their, their friends, each, like in yourself. So yeah, I can imagine that that was, it's like, I don't want to do this, but actually like, <laughs> I kind of need to do this. Like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely fulfilling. And, and to be quite honest, like, they're so innocent. Kids are so innocent. And, you know, even the kids that go through really tough things, like I, I worked with neglect, I worked with abuse, trauma, I worked with depression. Like, I've, I've had, uh, I had a case where I, I walked in on a girl trying to hang herself. So I, I've worked with really heavy things. It's just like, even though you experience, like they experience all of these things, there's still like this innocence to them. Like, I don't know why this is happening to me. It pulls at you because it's like, I wish you didn't have to, you know? Like, yeah. I, I wish I could give you the answers because I don't have them, but I have the capacity to kind of understand because I'm an adult. A child doesn't, you know, you have to kind of teach them. And some of these kids have seen more life than I have. Yeah. And it's scary. It's scary to know that. It's scary to know, especially Absolutely. with technology. Absolutely. Like, oh my God, these kids are on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's another, we, that's a whole other podcast. But 
you know, it's true. And back to the whole capacity and competency, competency thing, like children legally, you do not have capacity to stand trial or legal capacity at all for contracts or anything until you are 18. So they are so innocent. They don't know why things are happening to them. That's the beauty of what you get to do and us as their friends and mentors and brothers, sisters, cousins, parents, aunts, uncles, like we get to be that for them. And I want to, I wish we could talk more about that, but I want to switch over to you personally. Like, how do you, cause you struggle with your own mental health issues. You said anxiety. How do you handle these stories that you hear for work day in and day out? That's your job. You love it, but it can take a toll on you. And I'm sure that it does. How do you manage that? Maybe compartmentalize it, handle it. And what are some ways that you practice self-care and healing and meditation and therapy and all these resources in your own life to be able to cope with it? Well, thank you for asking me. I mean, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I feel you. That's why I entered everything at this point in my life. I don't, I don't know, know how I do it. I don't know. I just do it. No, I'm kidding. I mean, in all honesty, it's it starts with being honest with myself. I think that's the biggest thing. The minute I started realizing that I'm allowed to have these feelings. So my anxiety stems from a lot of generational trauma. Um, my anxiety stems from a lot of things in my life that have been laid out a certain way that have caused me to become overly sensitive, to become overly stimulated and overthink things and constantly be worried. I think that's why I'm actually really good at my field because of the fact that I am capable. 100%. And so sometimes I feel too much. Sometimes because of the fact that I notice a shift, I'm like, oh my God, something is wrong. And in reality, no, it's just been, it's just a shift in energy. It's just a shift in behavior. You know, I think the biggest thing is just being honest with where I'm at recognizing that I don't have it all figured out and that's okay. You know, taking time for myself when I need to. It also, this is something that we had discussed prior, but having a support system, you know, at least being able to call someone and tell them like, I had a shit day today. Can I please vent? Having those open arms and being like, absolutely, please go. For those of you who listen to me, you know that Instagram is where I do this because I don't have that person. Um, one day, hopefully I will. Um, but don't worry, I'll still come here and vent and on man stories. Um, well, you're always welcome to vent to me. I, and I mean that with an open heart. Like I, I really do enjoy listening. I, it's not just I do it because of a job. Like I do it because I really, I love hearing people's stories. I so love I. hearing people in general. I, I find people to be so strong. And I don't think we recognize that as individuals. I know I don't. Like, I, I can sit here and talk wonderful things about my life. And at the end of it, be like, yeah, but you know, I'm just, I'm just a kid. <laughs> oh, and, we all do it. We all don't yeah. give, us, give ourselves enough credit. And we were talking about that before, too, like off air, just something, you know, that's a lot of a lot of what I'm working on with my therapist right now. Um, right. But it's so true. I think because I know how t- these people feel to some degree, I'm better t- at empathizing with them. I understand I, energy. Like you said, you pick up on things other people don't. I'm that makes me better at being an influencer, being on Instagram, being a friend to people, being on this podcast, because I can empathize with people. And, you know, I empathize a lot with you and what you do. 
And I know you empathize a lot with me and what I do. And I think, I think that is super special. And I like that you mentioned the energy part because I actually, yeah, I, I, I'm a strong believer in energy. Like I, I know it sounds very woo saw, but oh, like, I'm very I, much about <laughs> energy. I, yeah, I feel like we all carry, like when you don't feel good, there is a downshift in energy. And I don't know if it is because of the fact that I, I can empathize. Like there, I, I don't like using the word empathize anymore because of the fact that I feel like TikTok grabbed it and like, social media smudged it all over the world <laughs> which yeah and, and it, that's what worries me you know I actually just started this page and, and I've been I've had such a blast with it and I've never like I never taken myself to be anybody like on social media or like anyone like that but it, it has been so eye-opening for me because it's something out of my comfort zone like I don't like talking about myself I don't like boasting. I don't, I don't like like all of like even posting the video I just posted talking about myself today was such a hard time. I asked all my friends, I was like, is this cringy? Yeah, no. And I think there are some people who do because they love to hear themselves talk and they enjoy like in that, you know, I don't want to use the word narcissist, but they can be sometimes. And again, that's another word that has been overly used. Just like self-involved or really enjoy. That's a good way to put it. And, but I think the people who genuinely is some of those my therapists this morning, like I do the things that I do because I want to help others. I don't do it for me. I could be a very selfish person if I wanted to be, but I, I don't, I don't do it for myself. I do it for others. I want to help other people. I know my purpose is to help people. So even if it seems that I am self-involved and I'm doing it because I like seeing myself on stories and stuff like, no, I do it because I genuinely want to come on and talk on stories for like 20 minutes like I did last night like I, I love I that. watched that <laughs> I was like people are gonna hate me for this but, no, but I, just, I think it also just the fact that like in order for someone to relate they have to know you know 100%. with knowledge comes power and so like if you have the courage to come on there and talk about how you had a rough day and how you know this is how you got over it and this is what you did to help yourself and you know what? It's fine. Tomorrow's another day. Someone's going to watch that and be like, oh, well, if she can do it, so can I. And that's my, that's my goal. My goal is that like, you know, and the episode I shared yesterday or this week, like, I want you to know that it's not as pretty and as easy as sometimes we make it out to seem, but that you can do it even if there's things going on that people don't see. And it is hard and it is difficult because yeah, it's I- making you stronger. And it, and you know, and that you don't need to do it alone and that you're not alone. Other people have gone through similar or the same things and they have gotten through it. And that is your encouragement that you too can get through it. And I think that's the beauty of what you do too, is that you are there as a resource for people. So they don't have to go at it alone, whether, you know, through your Instagram and they're following you on Instagram or TikTok or coming to see you as a patient you know, that there are people out there, you know, social media, we're bashing on it, but like, there's so many great things about it too, is that you don't be alone. Yeah. I think, I think it's such a great, it it can, it's a very much double-edged sword. 100%. I think think when used correctly, I think it's definitely, well, I don't like saying the word correctly, but appropriately like used in a good context. I feel like it will have good outcomes. And in moderation, everything in moderation, you know, if you use it appropriately and in moderation it can be helpful if you use it too much then it starts to maybe be that fine line of it's not so healthy anymore but going back to the energy conversation so we actually didn't know this but we met at yoga 
Um, yeah. yeah. So you yeah. are very big into yoga. Yoga has a yes. lot to do with energy. Yes. So going back to, you know, you compartmentalizing, right? Yeah, your job takes a lot out of you. So how do you do things for yourself to heal, to cope yoga, any other things that you do, any, any tips for people that, you know, are struggling, have things going on in their lives and what are resources that people can use and do to feel better? So I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't meditate. I have, I've always wanted to meditate. I wish I could. I really like, it's a struggle for me. Like I have a hard time, but I find stillness in other ways. I do affirmations. Um, I don't know if you've noticed on my page, I do daily mantras. Actually, I did. I did see that. And uh, I am very big big on affirmations as well. And something I started doing, I don't know if you've seen me talk about this or if you do this. Yes, I have. I hug myself at night and say, I'm proud of you. I love you. I did it in the car today on the way to get my nails done because I I kind of was beating myself up in therapy at the end and I needed to just reframe my mind really fast. So I'm very big on affirmations. Meditation is something yes. I would like to get into one day. But one day. Right. So I, day. I do I do the affirmations. Um I I do that daily. I, I'm very big in self-care. I really do like to take time to to wind down. Like I love my showers, my really hot showers and watching a show I really enjoy and drinking tea and like doing things that really make me feel good. And having that one self-care day where you go, like you did today, like therapy, nails, you know, face masks later, having a great meal. Like I'm very much on self-indulgence and giving yourself that thing that you say you shouldn't, but you want to. I'm very big on that. I feel like having a healthy relationship with food, having a healthy relationship with loving yourself is really important. It's essentially what's gotten me by and yoga. My my God, can I talk about yoga? I feel really bad because I haven't gone to yoga in like two weeks. I've been having a little bit of an anxiety episode recently. So it's been a little hard to find motivation, but yoga changes my life. It has changed my life. You saw, we spoke about it earlier when I was like, I'm so sorry. I go tunnel vision because I walk into that like warehouse, that space. And it is Zen. It is my I had never done a formal yoga class until I had done yoga. One of my professors actually provides us with free yoga classes once a week at the law school. She's very big into yoga and started inviting students to come join her. And that's how I got into yoga. Truly because of that. I had never done it. And she, she met me one day crying one all year, like, Hey, like she offered to be there for me, help me. And then at the end she was like, you know, I teach yoga. I think you would really enjoy it and it could be really helpful for you like please come i you don't all you need to do is come and like yoga is such a it change it really i want to get into it more i wish like when i move home and have the money to pay for the studio i i plan to be there because that one class like wow like the experience i'm gonna gonna plug it in because they are yeah no plug them i love them casa vinyasa i love you dude if you're in south miami please go there because it is it is such a safe space. And honestly, the teachers there, I don't know, yoga is so forgiving. It like teaches you how to be kind to yourself. They always say like, you know, if you're not there today, you're not there today. And that's okay. You'll be there eventually. And if you were there yesterday, but then today you're not, that's fine too. Like I incorporate yoga in my day to day in the way I speak in the way I move. If I feel tense, 
just a five minute stretch. Oh my Jesus. It is beautiful. <laughs> I feel so is, good. And you know, you could really, when you have a bad day, this is, here's a little challenge for everyone. If ever you're having a bad day, literally just take two seconds and take a seat and just ask yourself, where in my body do I feel? It? Because I guarantee you, you're going to feel it somewhere. You just have to listen to your body. Yeah. I love and, that. And if you just sit down and you just kind of like today, I feel it in my shoulders. So I'm going to stretch my shoulders. I'm going to get my shoulders down. I'm going to stretch my back. Just five minutes of a little stretch. You're going to notice. And I do it with my students. I do it with my patients. I do it with my clients. I do it with my family. Like I do it with everyone because I feel like that's something. I feel like it's it's free. <laughs> it's I love free that. Therapy. <laughs> like, no, it it is. It's funny. 90% of the time, my back is what's the problem. And it's funny, my, so this professor, she always would be like, I'll see here in like sitting in the hallway, like in really random positions. And it's because she's stretching. And it's just funny to see like a 60 year old law school professor doing that. Um, but I love it. And I will, I'll do that as a dancer growing up. I was very flexible. I, I try to, I lost a lot of it, but I tried to still stretch every once in a while. And I, sometimes I need to stretch cause it's, my muscles are tight and I'll sit in the library in weird positions too. And I laugh at myself now because <laughs> she made me conscious of it, but I mean, sometimes, yeah, you just need to stretch it out. Like think about what's hurting and find a way to f- do something. And I, I want to get better about yoga in just every day. Like I try to, I try to move my body at least 10 minutes a day, whether it's a walk or not, or just a stretch. And there's something just doesn't have to be yoga, literally just stretching, like moving your body and just stretching after a hot shower or before a hot shower. Oh, it's so magical. It's magical. So well, whenever you're back in town, let me know and we'll go together. Yes. I promise I won't tunnel vision. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I all good. I, I mean, I, I was there meeting with someone. So I was like very tunnel vision, like find her yeah, with your friend like, where do I go um I had never been there before but now that I discovered that place I generally love them and I don't if you follow me on Instagram stories you might have seen that they sent me a card um yeah oh my god they're so awesome they're so Melissa great and so so amazing I I'll put them in the show notes so you can check their Instagram out and if you're in Miami I highly recommend checking them out um love you, love you Melissa <laughs> they are super great but yeah I love that challenge I love that you know, it's such a great reminder too. So yeah, you are, you said you started this page. You recently are posting a lot more about this on social media. So where can everyone find you? How can they work with you? Plug yourself. Of course. Yeah. So um, my page is called Ehad in Miami. Um, I really wanted to call it that. And I'm going to talk a little bit just about the title because I feel like Miami being such a Hispanic culture, as you mentioned earlier, mental health is not really something that now is talked about in Hispanic culture and you know me being Hispanic myself I I found that to be very prevalent within my own family luckily you know I live in a time where open-minded about these things and so they're more receptive when it comes to the conversation but I wanted it to be very I wanted to reach out to Miami kind of like no and I love that I'm glad children of Miami you know I was about to say like I love the title I I didn't I wasn't, I was, didn't think to ask you, but I'm glad you explained it. Um, it's true. And yeah, like same thing. I'm glad my, my parents are starting to be very receptive of it. My grandmother who definitely has no clue what the hell this is, is being a lot more receptive of it, but we are all 
products of where we come from, wherever that is, wherever we're raised, our environment, the people that we surround ourselves with, it takes a village. And in Miami, that is 100% true. The neighbors, the abuelos, the aunts, the uncles, like everybody's- Yes, everyone, la vecina, Um, all of them, man. And the, the- the the bag the old man who's working at Publix bagging your got, the lady from La Ventanita yeah Hello? like <laughs> everybody is a part of your life and your childhood and we really are children of Miami so I love the name Iha means daughter and I just I love that I I thank you so much I really I, appreciate I was so nervous about opening it because I didn't even know where to go with it and honestly having so all these people like you know interacting with me and like talking about like their experiences and I guess the best way to reach me right now I'm just focusing on Instagram I haven't really delved into any other realm but just like everyone experienced like answering my questions and participating in the day-to-day check-ins and um I my posts mostly are more like knowledge um psychoeducation when it comes like to toxic friendships or like um wind down routines or even like talking about how to deal with testing anxiety and things like that. Just simple topics. I, I, I want to write more. Um, I'm still getting the hang of it, but it's been such an experience. And I want to thank you so much for like taking a chance on me and like no, having me on your show. I, well, you reached out to me and I was like, yes, <laughs> like, please come on. I haven't talked about something like this before and it's super important. And I think TikTok would be great for you, but, or a blog and or both but, or even Maybe a podcast, we'll or even a podcast one day, all of the above. Um, but I think it's so cool that, you know, you just, I think being open to putting yourself out there, it kind of, the community kind of tells you what they want from you and what they need from you. And just being open to trying different things and seeing what works for them, but also makes you feel really good and where that alignment is. That's, that's the sweet spot. So it's definitely working. And I think it's really cool. And what you do, the ma- the mantras and, you know, the check-ins, we all need more of that. And we need to continue talking about this and opening up this conversation about mental health. And I, I just, I'm a big fan. So very much. I'm a fan of your stuff too. I love your page. I think it's, oh my gosh, besides the fact it's so aesthetically pleasing to look at it. <laughs> it's like, serotonin to my brain like oh my goodness I mean that's the depression inside of me that like I need <laughs> things to be and, and anxiety too like I need things to like my background right now is so neutral like I oh my need, god do you see my the chaos like that like not gonna lie gives me anxiety like <laughs> I I need like clean spaces neutral spaces to just I want to walk home I I do in an ideal world I would love for someone to be like do you want a tea do you need a drink can I give you a massage when I walk home but I don't have that right now so so just so yummy would be would be freaking great but like just walking into my apartment and just like knowing that my space is clean it's neutral nothing is really like taking up space and besides this desk that's covered in textbooks like (laughs) you know it's clean it's neutral it calms me like I need that in my life so I'm glad (laughs) that it like the the aesthetic comes out um yes it does because that it truly I want it to be peaceful and like I don't want it to be chaotic and like I mean it's it's a very aesthetic version of my life but I've actually as I've gone curating my aesthetic online I've gone curating my life to match it because I found online my sweet spot like what my aesthetic is with 
you know, Pinterest and other people's inspiration. I was like, okay, I like this, I can do this. And then seeing, you know, clutter in my apartment, I was like, like, I used to have extra stuff on my bed that I was like, I had a painting on the wall. I took it down. It's under my bed. Like, I just don't want clutter. I don't want things. I don't want color. I just want it to be neutral because there's so much already going on up here and on my phone that I just want to sit and do nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I'm a firm believer of that. Unfortunately, Liv loves having little things and out. So, and in all honesty, it's so much fun. This room is so much fun for us. This is our game room. And we're in the process of like changing it up. So everything is everywhere. Um, but I, I hear you. My, my room is just as new, like very calm. There's actually, our room does not have anything. The other day he was like, can we put, no. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you have one clean bedroom, you have to have a room that's full of all the other extra stuff. Um, granted our office is that in my parents' house here, it's my closet and my bathroom. Yeah. But it's, I think it is, I think something else that really does help is having your own space, like being able to kind of drift away from the day to day and giving yourself that opportunity to just kind of be in your own space. 100%. God, it's so nice. My couch is my Zen cave. I have a little <laughs> corner with blankets. I got my little um, mood lights. I have a I, salt lamp out, oh, out over there. Like, me I've, too. Like, it's over there in the corner somewhere. What I do is I'll turn off all the extra lights and just leave the lamps on, like the salt lamp and like the two lamps I have. And like, just like that mood lighting. I have a, I got one of those LED lights for my room at home that says need money for travel. Cause I love to travel, <laughs> but like, that's my goal is to like have my salt lamp, that light, my lamp on. And like, I have a dimmer in my room and just like have the lights dimmed and just like the aesthetic of a candle burning. Like that's my sweet spot. I want to, I want to mention one thing that you said before. I'm not sure how much time we have left, but no, you're good. I think the biggest important, um, I feel like when you struggle with mental health, when you're going through something, everyone has a moment where they struggle with mental health. You know, anytime you feel overwhelmed, you're struggling with your mental health that's obviously it becomes a difference when you are struggling with a diagnosis because at that point it's considered a mental illness diagnosis right um but I think one of the biggest factors that really having a goal having something to look forward to a lot of the times when, when we're stuck in this mindset of things are not okay it's hard to look beyond that right talk about them a lot talk about it as much as you want you know get excited for the things that are to come. 100%. Because depression is hopelessness. Depression is feeling discouraged. Depression is feeling, looking at the, um, looking at the past and regretting, right? While anxiety is fear of the future, fear of what's to come, fear of how things may turn out, fear of judgment, fear, fear of fear, just fear in fear. general. Yeah. So having that one thing and if you don't have anything make it honestly make it fake it till you make it but no I love that you brought that up and it's funny because I struggle with both sides of that coin you know the fear of the future but also hopelessness sometimes and that's a mind fuck all in and of itself but it's very common to have to have both but one big thing that I do is and I talked about this in the other episode you know focusing on the bigger picture but also just you know, if you go back to my, my first episode of the year, setting intentions for the year, a vision board goal, setting goals for yourself and not resolutions. Cause a resolution, it's like you're destined to fail because you're putting these limits on yourself. And 
limiting yes. beliefs on yourself. I don't do resolutions. I don't do resolutions. I do intentions. I set intentions for the year. Yes. I set intentions for the week. And yes, yes. So being intentional with everything that you're doing and finding your purpose and knowing why you're doing things and just having goals for yourself and their goals. They're not like you have to get there. It's like, I want to get there and you get to get there by doing the work and going through life. And it, if it's meant to be that for you, you will get there. And I think I'm really glad and knowing you that, that your, your goals will change. They can, and they will, or they won't. And life happens life so much happens you know life isn't black and white there's a lot of grayscale and I feel like um people who are very definitive you know they struggle sometimes in that sense where they're not really sure like things don't go their way they're not successful and it's that's not the case life isn't a race at the end of the day we live and we die (laughs) like yeah that's the only not to sound morbid but no no it's true and there was someone I was listening to earlier today it's like there your two things are certain in life you have to pay taxes yep or you will go to jail (laughs) (laughs) so pay your taxes and you're gonna die that's it that's all we know in life is that those two things and and I am and if I can be candid (laughs) um I'm afraid of dying I am afraid of dying I'm afraid of death that's actually something I work with my therapist sometimes the topic of dying scares me um that's another podcast I'm so curious but that's another podcast (laughs) um Uh, I mean that whole whole thing is just it's it's very real so you can live your life trying to accommodate all these societal standards you can live your life trying to accommodate what you think your life needs to look like or you can live your life accordingly to your standards and your morale and enjoy it. And, and just know that your standards might change and they're going to change and that it's okay that they yes. change and just being a lot more flexible and at beauty of going back to what you do and working with children, like they are so flexible. They are so moldable. And like we become adults and, you know, we have to pay the bills and taxes and insurance and all these adult scary topics. And we get really rigid and really black and white as we get older and our risk tolerance goes down and we're scared and we live in fear. And as a whole, we're just really anxious. Even if you don't have anxiety, like diagnose, like you, our society is anxious and, you know, because we are so rigid and we have our standards and like these, these rules for ourselves and timelines and like things have to be a certain way. And no, that's going to change. And COVID taught us that, that, you know, life gets turned up upside down. And honestly, I, I argue with COVID is horrible. There was a lot of bad things, but it was actually kind of the blessing in disguise that this world needed in a lot of ways. And Um. I wouldn't say blessing in disguise because it did do a lot of damage and that would be discrediting the, the yeah I mean it's not the right term it's definitely not the right term but just like that but I know what you mean like there's a lot of good that came out of it too it forced a lot of us to slow down it forced a lot of us to stop and that was challenging for some people you know and a lot of people I think I think the thing that COVID did that's beneficial I, in, in, in just to kind of highlight what you're saying is it forced you to come to terms with the fact that everything, you know, is not always going to be there. <laughs> and that you don't know anything. <laughs> and that you don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, definitely. I, I don't. And I, 
I don't know if I'll leave this in, but like, I don't conversation for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I'll leave this full part in, but I, I don't mean to say that it was a good thing. Cause it wasn't, but that there was a lot of good that came out of it. No, I um, understood what you meant. I just wasn't sure. Like, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was going to be in it or not. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Depends on how long the first part is. Um, but, but I trust me, I'm not judging. I understood. No. I, and I think a lot of people, I mean, also, first of all, the name of this podcast is candid. I'm going to say things that are not so great. Um, but, um, and I just, I don't want to be someone who censors myself cause I'm not that person, but, um, you know, I I've been very open with the fact that I'm glad COVID happened at the time that it did for me in my life while in law school, because it, right. it helped me reframe and fit, change a lot of things. It set right. me on the path where I'm at today that I don't think like, I wouldn't be where I'm at today and doing what I want to do. And my whole purpose I mean, my purpose has remained the same throughout everything, but the, the way I'm going about it has changed because of COVID and what happened during COVID COVID as in the, the season, the era, like the two years, not like the disease itself, but just like oh, the, I, the I last understand. two years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I mean, we can continue talking forever and we could definitely do several different episodes on, I'm really curious about the death thing, honestly. Well, thank you so much, Fiorella, for coming on. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. And where can everyone find you? On Instagram at Iha de Miami um, and on TikTok at Iha de Miami. Although I don't have content right there, just stay put. There'll be some eventually. Um, but thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I really appreciate you. And I, I appreciate your journey and how candid you are in your, you know, in all your material. And I, I really look forward to seeing more things come out of your page. Thank you. I'm same to you. I'm really looking forward to it and I'll make sure everything's in the show notes. So you guys can go check her out. Wasn't Fiorella incredible? I'm so honored to call her my friends and the presence that she has made in my life in the last few weeks of knowing her is truly something special. I'm so grateful for her and her morning mantras and her energy. And every time I post something on my stories, she's one of the first to DM and we have conversations and she's so so sweet and i'm really excited to hang out with her more when i'm in miami because i love having friends that i can truly have these difficult more deeper conversations with but also just have fun with and her and i just had so much fun together while we were recording and it was actually the first time we had ever spoken outside of dms but i'm really excited to get to know her more and i hope you guys go check her out and get to know her more too she's such an incredible follow and I'm really excited to call her my friend, like I said. And yeah, so I'm off to go study. Last final, almost done. The birds are chirping. I have a lot of energy today. It's early Wednesday morning and I'm really, I just feel really good today. I actually feel really good. So let's hope that I keep that up and get through the next two days because that's it. Just a few more days and we're done. And I'm really excited. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. If you liked it, please leave a rating and review. Please subscribe to the show. Share with a friend. Please screenshot and, you know, share it on your stories. Tag us. It's the best way to grow the show. And it really does mean so much to me. And I love seeing you guys share it. I Every time someone that I don't already know shares it, I'm like, oh my god, people are finding it. People like my podcast. So please do that so someone else can find it. And I hope this resonated there's a common theme on the podcast, but lately I've been having conversations that I didn't know I needed to have when I record these episodes and then getting to share them with you guys and see the messages come in of like, thank you for sharing this 
or just with the guest afterwards when they listen back to it because it's been so long since we recorded getting to remember what we talked about and hear it again it's so special and i just it's like reconnecting all over again and i just i love connecting with you guys so please 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 share with the friends so we can all connect and don't forget to join my geneva home so we can continue to connect and just shoot me a dm shoot me an email let me know how you guys are doing i hope you're all having a beautiful week and have a beautiful rest of your week and weekend and i will talk to you guys next week